everyone. Hello. So, Tristan, what are we talking about today? Well, as per usual, we've got a broad subject. Broad. Very broad. Um, we're talking about financial inputs. Okay. Um, as a concept. What are the real financial inputs? That's the question. Yeah, well, traditionally, I think you'd put it down to, well, probably a, a lot of accounting terms, to be honest. You'd be looking at revenue sources, income. But yeah. It doesn't really end up being that there more. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to jump in here yeah. and have my little rant because of you rant? No. No. Um because obviously this is something I'm really passionate about. What are the real financial inputs in people's lives and in their business? So our audience as as hopefully you've tuned in and realized is professional advisors generally so financial advisors accountants and i'm really talking to you guys but business coaches consultants you know i mean lawyers everything we're talking about today is again important if you are in the profession of advice and you are looking to go beyond being you know good maybe even great to being exceptional so this is the program for those advisors who are already good at what they're doing and they're like us and they want to go deeper and look at how to actually create a bigger impact for people. So that disclaimer, because it was kind of an intro, but it's also a disclaimer out of the way. Yeah, I am going to kind of call out coaches and financial advisors and accountants in particular and say to them, hey, what the F are you doing? So you're a financial advisor. You think you're dealing with the financial planning of a client, right? So, but if you're really dealing with the financial planning and the financial situation of a client, then how can you actually say you're doing that when you're not truly dealing with the real inputs for that? And if you're an accountant and you're giving business advice, as I think most business people hope that they get from their accountant, then if you're not dealing with the real financial inputs, then how can you actually say that you're giving them business advisory? Not only that, you're missing out on creating the most fundamentally transformative components for a client. You're missing out on actually helping them change their life. So... Uh, yeah, I'm speaking directly to you and I am saying to you that I'm intimately familiar with financial advice and accounting professions and, you know, legal professions and coaching for that matter because, um, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we're directly doing as well. So I'm looking at you and saying, you're not going deep enough. You're not actually dealing with the true financial inputs. And so let's talk about financial advice to start with, right? Sure. So, how does financial planning generally work? What kind of things do you sit down and talk to a client about? What kind of questions do you ask, Tristan? Um, Fact-finding, really. So, you know, how much you earn, how much you save, outgoings, incomings. Um, depending on the age, probably different types of investments, planning for retirement how much you need to have, when you need to have it by, when you can stop working. Probably some other stuff I'm forgetting as well. 
Yeah, look, I think that's a reasonable summary. So, <laughs> so it's this whole idea of holistic advice, right? And that's the cut. It's been a catchword in financial advice, and and then when I de- delve into the process that most financial advisors use, I'm like, that's not really. That's not. That's not holistic. That's like, that's partitioned. So, in other words, you're dealing with, at least in my definition, outcomes, right? You're not looking at inputs, you're looking at outcomes. So, how much money do you earn, right? How much money are you likely to earn between now and retirement? What's your expenses? What are the things you need to spend money on, right? These are all outputs of someone's life, right? This is all an output of where they're at. So you've got kids finishing, you know, high school, maybe going to university. So you've got the expensive period of, you know, your life. You've got mortgage payments. You've got to make super contributions or, you know, 401k, wherever you're at in the world, obviously building for retirement. So you're looking at someone's outputs and then you're saying to them, okay, well, how, how long are you happy working for? When do you want to retire? which in itself is a completely loaded question and we'll delve, we'll delve into that in a little bit. Uh, okay, so when you retire, what kind of life would you like to have, right? What kind of life would you like to have? How much money would you like to spend? What are going to be the main expenses you have in retirement? Now, in my definition, these are all surface-level things and by and large, they are primarily outputs. So you're then saying it's you know when i was first introduced to financial planning going back to you know 1996 so it's this whole gap funding analysis right so when i was first introduced to you know how to how to be a financial planner um you know all the way back in 96 there was this idea behind what was called gap funding right so where are you at where do you want to be how much risk are you prepared to take on what's your risk profile and then from all of that, build a, a structure, you know, build a financial plan, a strategy. So, you know, what assets, what structures, how do we minimize tax, how do we diversify, reduce risk, etc. And so the idea being that you're helping a client create a plan to get them through their life as they choose. The problem with that is that what's the real input for money? So if there's a gap, Right. So let's say, you know, they're coming up to retirement, but there's not enough money there. So what, what's normal financial planning do? It's about helping them maybe be a little bit more realistic about what their retirement's going to be. But what are the real inputs for finance with people? What actually determines how much money they have, how much money they're going to earn? What actually determines how much money they should make? Oh, me, pick me, pick me. The people. (laughs) The people. So what do you mean by that? What do you mean, the people? Well, I mean, it's it's not like you can consider each of these things on their own, right? You can't earn money without you being the one doing it, right? Yep. You you don't get nothing for some... You don't get something for nothing. Right. Um, So, for example, say I rock up to work ready to do podcasts but you know we're both really flat we can't think of ideas and our day's not productive stop, stop I, this is never <laughs> no that's never, that's happened, never no. happened um and 
I mean, that's that's on us. Like that, that's the people part of it, right? So we're less productive because of other factors, and that affects job performance, motivation, drive, aspirations, what whatever it may be that kind of pushes you forward in order to produce those those externals that we were talking about, like how much you earn, yeah. blah blah blah. So what you're saying is how engaged someone is may determine what they get out of what they're doing. Is that what you're saying? Correct. What's the definition of what they get out of it? Is it just money? No. Well, so what else comes into play? Oh, well, for the job example, you know, you you, you work, you get paid. That's a, a big one. But you've also got, you know... Do you feel valuable? Do you like that affects your self worth? Do you feel like you're being productive? Are you being fulfilled by what you're doing? Are you kind of bored with what you're doing in a bit of a lull? It all it all ties back. So, so it's kind of this interesting dichotomy, isn't it, about money, right? So we're here talking about what the real financial inputs are, and really, what you're saying is the financial inputs depend on the person. So, in other words, is every is every dollar the same? So, if you make a dollar doing something you hate, is that dollar worth as much as making it doing something you love doing? Yeah, I mean, a dollar's a dollar. Let's not complicate things with exchange rates and well, no, it's dollar a, over it's time or whatever. So, like. so, so here's a question, right? Or yeah. let, let me rephrase it then. Is the purpose of your working life to work so you have enough money to retire. So in other words, you've got two stages of life. You've got the stage of life you hate and then the stage of life where you get to enjoy things. Is that is that actually what it is? No. Well, it might come into play as part of it, but that that's not the whole the whole picture, no. So my question then is, is your life going to be better if you spend your energy doing things that you enjoy, right, to make dollars? Versus doing things you don't like. Yeah. So in other words, financial planning or the financial input is really about quality of life, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, money has no definition. I mean, you can have someone retired with half a million dollars, right? Maybe maybe quite not these days. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's call it a million dollars, right? So someone retired with a million dollars versus someone retired with $500 million, mm-hmm. right? Which one's going to be happier? Depends. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? So what things does it depend upon? What does the quality of your life depend upon? It depends on you for the most part. Yeah, so you, I mean, you mentioned a whole bunch of this stuff before. Mm. How, f- how fulfilled are you? Do you feel like you've got a sense of growth? Are you moving forward? I mean, this is one of the things that I've discovered in advising people over my you know, my life, and that is that everyone needs to feel like they are moving forward and growing in order to feel fulfilled. It's where energy comes from, right? So if you're a financial advisor and you're just getting people to retirement, right, and then you're leaving them on their own and you're not having a conversation with them about the real financial input, and that is, what are you going to do? What fulfills you? What fulfilled you before? What's going to fulfill you after? What, you think you can go and play golf five days a week 
and then that's going to be enough for you to feel like you're growing, that you have a purpose, that life is meaningful. Now, as someone who advised you know, reasonably wealthy, self-funded people through retirement for 15 years, I can't tell you the countless number of times that I saw people's life change for the worst after they actually retired. It's why I felt we had an obligation to actually hold their hand through this journey of, well, okay, how are you, how's, what is your life going to look like? I mean, how many people get divorced after retirement or they drive each other nuts or they, you know, they get sick and die like perfectly healthy and then all of a sudden they're gone a year, a year into retirement. These things aren't coincidental. So in other words, just to set the background, I'm saying that money isn't just money. Money is just an expression of value translation. And how value translation is working throughout that person's life determines the quality of that life. And whether they feel like they're growing, they're fulfilled, whether they're moving forward in their relationships, all of these things play into, play into fact. And if we go back to the other end of the life spectrum, because we just kind of took a detour onto retirement itself, what actually determines you know, how much money you've got to make or how much money you will make. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually use an example, right? So you've heard me use this example many times. Um, and it's only, what, a couple, it's only been in, you know, a couple of years ago that we had this particular scenario. And we've had plenty like it, but because I've shared it a few times, I can remember the story well, right? I mean, we, we get this kind of stuff happen literally daily here as we're speaking to other advisors. So this is a financial planning client, right? So for context, and we're going to use some business advisory stuff as we go as well, because the same question applies whether you're, you know, talking to a client as a business advisor or a coach or consultant, as it does when you're talking to people about their personal financial situation and financial planning, etc. So husband and wife, the wife contacts one of, you know, one of our advisors that, uh, that we work with. And she says, hey, look, you know, we're now, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, we're in our mid-40s, um, we're just not getting ahead anymore, right? We're not making enough dollars to meet our expenses and we need some help getting on top of those expenses. You know, we used to be saving money, but we're not anymore. Um, can we come and see you? So, you know, husband and wife, they, they go and see Go and see our client. And this, well, I'll kind of make this reasonably summarized, but you've got uh, the wife, she's a, a teacher, um, reasonably senior one, you know, making, making reasonable dollars, but not excessive as, a, as, as teachers do. Um, and then you've got the husband who... Uh, was a successful, he had successful businesses primarily in construction, concreting, etc. And about five years ago, he ended up giving up those businesses because his father was very sick, so had cancer and was going through, you know, that really nasty journey that uh, cancer can take people on. And so about 12 months before 
this conversation, his father had passed away. Now, what he actually decided to do then was he wanted to be flexible enough to be around for his father as he was sick and look after him. So he gave up the other businesses and he bought a tow truck. Okay. So, you know, nice, reasonably nice flash tow truck, three, about 300 grand worth. Um, paid cash for it. They were doing reasonably well at that, that point in time, as I'd said. So they've got, you know, a pretty decent, a pretty decent property. It's got a mortgage on it. They've also got some, some other property assets, uh, primarily land that they were going to do const some construction on, etc. Um, and they've got kids going through private schools. Okay. So, you know, they, they'd managed to build up some reasonable assets prior to the previous five years. So they've got some reasonable money in retirement savings, etc. for that age. But nothing's happened since then. So no assets have accumulated. You know, credit card debts are starting to, to get out of hand and to creep up. And so he's driving the tow truck two shifts a week, okay? And earning about 120000 you know, Australian dollars a year at that point in time. And, you know, that's an okay income, but not excessive. And if you combine the two together, it's about $200,000 worth of income. So they're doing okay. It's enough to send kids to private schools. But, you know, obviously they, they haven't got their expenses completely nailed down. So what he said to our client was, I'm happy doing two days a week, but I don't want to do any more than that, right? I've got my flexibility you know, driving the tow truck's okay. I like doing that, but I don't want to do any more than two shifts a week. That's where we're at. So this is our income. What do we do? So that was the, that was kind of the question that was framed, right? So hopefully everyone's got a picture of that. Now I've been at different speaking conferences and all kinds of things. Obviously that was before, <laughs> before the whole COVID lockdown came into place. Uh, these days it's more like webinars or the podcast we're doing at the moment. And I've thrown this example to roomfuls of financial advisors and said, okay, so what, what program, what offer do you actually give to this client? What can you take them through to help them? What's your process? So you've heard this example a few times, Tristan. So, yeah. so what do financial advisors generally say about that client? How can they help them? What, what kind of process can they take them through? Um, they're, they're not meeting expenses. So it falls into like cash flow management. Okay. So cash flow management. So let's take a look at what you're doing. Okay. We'll refinance your debt because obviously some of it's not tax effective enough, right? So we can restructure that. Uh, maybe you're paying a little bit too much interest. Uh, we can do a cash flow management program so we can take you through, you know, how you're spending money, do some budgeting, um, you've got some credit card debt so we can wrap that up in the structuring and the refinancing etc so in other words we can we can control your expenses we can get the expenses down and therefore you know help you to actually save some dollars or at least at least be not be going backwards while you've got kids going through private school yeah well that's pretty much the standard answer and by the way that is that is the offer that our client had made to these people. And, you know, as far as financial planning goes, he was kind of at the pointier end of doing that. So he had a 
a program, you know, we'll charge $5,000. We're going to take you through this process. And then that will move into more traditional financial planning. You know, we'll take care of your retirement funds and, you know, we'll do some things here and maybe we'll do a little bit of salary sacrificing because that's a way for you to save dollars and, you know, on a tax point of view, but actually get some money into super without affecting your cash flow, that kind of stuff, right? And so when we're talking to our client, Jamie was his name, um, or is his name, he's still, he's still perfectly fine. Um, I said, well, hang on a second. Why are you doing that? Why did you do all of this work? Why are you promising to do all of this work? You're actually missing the real inputs here. You're just dealing with outputs. You're just playing with the outputs. So if I was sitting in front of a client, here's what I would say to them. Okay, well, this is easy. In fact, you don't even need to pay me. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make this really easy for you. You're not you're not making ends meet, right? Okay. Pull your finger out. Do four shifts a week. Go on. Pull your finger out, do four shifts a week. You're only doing two, that's hundred and twenty. Do four. That's two hundred and forty. You're still doing one shift a week less on average than everyone else, right? So what are you doing? Why are you only doing two shifts a week? So the truth is, it seems to me like you've lost your mojo. So the real reason that you are not moving forward in your life, that you're not saving dollars, is because you've lost direction. You've lost your mojo. Is that true? And by the way, this is exactly what I said to Jamie. Go back and talk to this client. Say to them that you're concerned because you've given them the wrong offer and you want to have a chat to them and pretty much say, say this to them. So you've lost your mojo. Before you were successful, were you energized then? Yes, yes I was. By the way, these are the answers that, that came back, right? So I can, I'm not just talking about what I would say. This is what Jamie said, and these are the answers. Yes. Yes, that's, that's true. And no, I'm not engaged. The reason I don't want to do four shifts is because that would drive me nuts. So in other words, you're doing something that isn't fulfilling you. So what we've actually got to get you to do is get back on the horse get you back to where you were before, get you a sense of direction again, get your mojo back. So if we can help you get your mojo back, how are you going to feel? And his response was, if you can help me do that, you can charge me whatever you want. Okay, by the way, that's not the first time that clients have said directly that. In fact, whenever, whenever we're talking to an advisor, I say to them, look, as you go through this process of learning how to be exceptional, and as you start putting different pricing, right? So the pricing model, the pricing model for that is obviously different to the pricing model of dealing with outcomes. The, the dollars go up, the impact goes up exponentially. And that's the reason why, because you will have clients say to you over and over, if you can help me to do that, then you can charge me whatever you want. So instead of doing cash flow management, right? And by the way, we. He did do cash flow management, but much later on. 
where the output should be instead of missing the input at the start. So what are the things when we talk to advisors, right, whether they're accountants or financial advisors or coaches or whoever, right, when we're talking to them about this kind of stuff and we say, well, why didn't you help him do that, right? And then what's the kind of fears that they have? So what are the what's their normal initial response? Well, I'm not... I'm not a life coach. <laughs> right, I'm not a life coach. I'm not qualified to do that. And then what do they typically ask us about after that? Should I go and do... A life coach certification. Or a state planner practitioner or or whatever. Yeah, which I I think this is kind of funny. Um, Look, I've obviously spoken to lots of people who have done those courses and programs. Um, I've not done any. Right. Yes, I've got three degrees, but that goes all the way back to you know early in my career. That was in finance and investment, investment analysis and technical analysis and that kind of stuff, right? So yeah, I still like analyzing investments. I'm still I'm still a nerd in that sense. But I also know that most of those things are outcomes, not inputs. So my point out of this is, right, that's that's what people say. So what's generally the answer to that, Tristan? What's what's the reality? Do do any of our so our clients go on this journey of discovering that they were already exceptional advisors, they just didn't know it. Is that a fair For fair the most summary? Part, yeah. So so as we go on this journey, do they already know how to do this stuff? Yeah. They just need some fr- some framing and a slap in the face, really. And so hopefully that's what we're doing here today, giving you a slap in the face. What the F are you doing? Right, you're living someone else's definition of financial planning or financial advice or accounting or whatever. The f are you doing? Right, it's not. It's <laughs> sure you can be a, a good technician and you can even be a potentially great technician, but if you want to deal with the technicals, then you're dealing with the outputs and you are not dealing with the inputs, and therefore you are not as valuable. Okay, so the question for you is in how uh, you earn your money, how valuable would you like to be? How much input would you actually like to have in your clients' lives? Would you like to be the financial advisor that just helped this guy, well, this couple, right? But let's, let's also talk about in that example what his wife said, right? His wife said, Oh my God, I've been saying this for like years. Yeah, he's like a different guy. Yeah, it's really nice having him around and the kids appreciate it and whatever. But where's my excited husband? You know, where's he gone? He used to love what he was doing. Now he's flat. He's not as fit. He's not as healthy. So would you like to be the financial advisor that deals with the outcomes or would you actually like to be an exceptional advisor, one that just doesn't follow convention and actually gives enough of a crap about their clients to go there? Because that's what it comes down to. What, you think you need to be a life coach to say to someone, hey, where are you at? What are you doing? I'm not going to be so caught up in myself that I'll actually look at what you're doing and ask you the hard questions? No, that doesn't require someone who's got 
life coaching qualifications. If you're an advisor who's been doing this for a reasonable period of time, you've already got the technical qualifications, which means you've got, you've been completely trained in how to ask people objective questions and then take them through a process of putting one foot in front of the other in order to move forward. You've already done that. You just went surface level. So you already have the qualifications. You're a human. You understand what it's like to be human. So just go a little deeper and help people to look at where they're really at, what they really want, where they're in their own way, and then help them build an objective plan. Right? It doesn't even... You can't promise to give them the best investments in the world. You already know that. Can you promise to give them the exact right steps in order to get... No, that's not the point. The point is taking steps to go forward. All that's required for someone to get their mojo back is to have a sense of direction and movement. Okay, and I think that's a, a fundamental key point there. So by the way, that, that's why financial advice, even at the more superficial level, is incredibly valuable. I mean, I'm not dissing you and saying that you're not worthwhile. You are, absolutely, because you're helping people, you're asking them objective questions, you're giving them a frame of reference, and you're giving them steps to move forward. I'm just saying you're not going deep enough. You're not being transformational enough. And therefore you're not valuable enough and therefore your pricing's wrong <laughs> and you're not being as transformational as you could be. So in that particular scenario, right? So we've got a client who's now got his mojo back. He's, you know, doing six, $700,000 a year, right? With some input and the input is, well, we can, we can get your mojo back without you going back to working, you know, a hundred hour weeks. You don't have to, you don't have to do that. So are they going forward? Yes. Did they need to count and pinch pennies as much as they were? No. But did we also take them on a journey of doing some budgeting and refinancing their debt because it doesn't make sense not to do that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So now you've got the double whammy of both of those scenarios. In other words, financially, the outputs are completely different. So why would you talk to them about reducing cost when the number one input for this client was how much money he's making and how much money he's making is being limited by the fact that he's got stuck he's got stuck in his perspective he's lost his mojo he needs a little bit of a whack to get him back on track so that's the question for you which advisor would you want to be by the way which advisor gets paid more right so this is also an input for you guys. The real financial input for you as advisors is how deep you are going with your clients, how much you are owning your value, how much you are trusting yourself, how much you are using your intuition, how much you are actually setting aside conventional wisdom to actually give more of a crap about your clients, how much you're willing to have an interventional conversation with someone. Almost every person that sits in front of me in the first meeting was going to have a pretty, a pretty intense conversation. Would that, would that be fair, Tristan? Yeah, for sure. So, so how would you describe 
as you've said (laughs) on a few. And by the way, I'm not holding myself up on a pedestal here at all. I'm just trying to share my experiences with you, right? I'm I'm a completely flawed individual just like all of us. I'm just committed, like hopefully you are, to going on the journey of being coming closer to being an exceptional advisor. So when I'm, when I have a first meeting with a client, how deep am I going to go, Tristan? Um, well, I might answer your question with a question. You want to make your meeting valuable, right? You're you're meeting with them because you want to give them value. That's the that's the premise, right? Absolutely. So, when it comes to you know, most people are in in the business of helping people. That's generally what we fall into as 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 humans. That's one of our main drivers. We want to help other people. Yeah, you can only really get a sense of value from being valuable to someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. So if helping people is your driver, is there anything you really shouldn't touch on? Is is there anything that you really can't help someone with, even if it's just sharing another perspective? What's the point of holding back and not addressing something that could be causing someone, you know, like a little bit of hurt, a little bit of stress when you're trying to be valuable. Okay. So then what's the risk of that, right? So what happens if you go somewhere and it's too raw and you, you know, you, you uncover something that someone doesn't like you digging into? What, ha- what, what happens then? I mean, there's going to be nuance everywhere, right? But for the, m- for the most part, they will tell you. Okay. that's interesting yeah so in other words you can dig into something and they can tell you to f off sure i mean they might not this goes back to our last episode we put out which is uh conscious and subconscious communication Mm. right so if you're an advisor learning to use your intuition then your intuition and your you know your experience is also going to tell you when someone's telling you back the hell off so back off right it happens all the time so in other words when i'm meeting with a client i'm going there and then i'm going to listen to whether they tell me to go deeper or not and some people are going to tell me that they're not willing to go there well guess what the fact that i tried does that mean what does that mean what does that mean some people come out of first or second or (laughs) even later meetings And they don't like me. Sure. Is it that they don't like me? Uh, It could be in some cases. Yeah. Is that okay? Sure. Not everyone's going to like you. No, absolutely not. And is every advisor going to be able to help every person? No. So why would you hold yourself back is my question. And why would you hold yourself back from actually having an interventional conversation with that client saying, hey, look, I'll give you this advice for free. Pull your finger out and go and do four shifts. Now, the secret, right, the actual pathway forward for you, and this goes kind of taking a segue back to our last last episode, Conscious Subconscious Communication. What that client actually said was, by saying to you, I'm doing two shifts a week. I don't want to do any more than that. Help me. I don't have enough money. So consciously, if you are just listening to the conscious version, you would be thinking, okay, doesn't want to do any more. Earns 120 grand. Right. That's our inputs. No, no, no. That's not the input. What he's actually subconsciously said to you is, 
I don't like what I'm doing. I was doing stuff before that produced more. I was happier then. And I'm out of whack. Help me. That's what the client really said to you. So when you're being an exceptional advisor and you're looking for the real inputs, you're matching conscious, subconscious communication. And if all you do as an advisor is deal with the conscious part, then you're missing the real inputs. And that's the problem. You're just not going far enough. So in other words, could charge this client, and Jamie did, to take them on a journey of figuring out what he should be doing with his life. Okay. So what about business advisory then? So we're talk so I mean we we this is a as a big it's a big big subject, right? So the financial inputs are really people related and they're going to be different in every scenario. And if you want to be a financial advisor or a financial planner, then you better bloody be asking deeper questions and you better be putting aside your own fear of challenging someone because the risk is worth it. That's the summary of what we were talking about before, mm. right? Yeah. yeah, there's a risk. There's a risk that someone's not going to be a client of yours. Okay. Well, what are you are you going to base whether you're the best version of yourself whether or someone says yes or no? That's ridiculous. That's just your own selfishness then holding you back from being a better advisor. And the truth of the matter is when you're that kind of advisor, people turn up, right? Not everyone says yes and the people who do, they pay you more and they're more valuable and they hang around and you have a far greater impact on their life. And that changes your business model. You'll be exponentially more profitable. The word of mouth will be greater. You'll be more fulfilled. You'll be more satisfied. So... I'm giving you as a financial advisor different inputs. It's why when someone comes to us and says, hey, I want to take my business forward, you know, I'm stuck, hasn't grown for five years or how do I go to the next level or whatever. And they might say, well, I need more clients or, or, or whatever. And generally we're going to look at it and go, well, hang on a second. What are you doing? What do you believe? How do you feel? How fulfilled are you? How much of your energy is being spent doing stuff that's actually constructive? Why not? What are the self-worth issues that are in your way? How is your own image of what you're actually worth translating to your business decisions? This is the stuff we always start with first. Sure, we could build, we could build the best marketing plan ever. Why the hell would you do that when you're the one fundamentally sabotaging the most important input? You know, so that's why often advisors are not charging the right amount tr and their value translations crap. So what are the kind of things that people say, right, when we're talking to them about going to their clients or their customers to change the price or the value or how they articulate value? What's what's some of the the usual responses we get? Um, oh, you've got the classic, I don't know if it's actually worth that. Yeah, why is it worth that? Yeah, that seems high. I don't think I'm delivering <laughs> enough for that. Yeah. Um, and then you've also got um, an, another pretty common one, which is, you know, if if we put our fees up to, to X, if I charge this for this service, what if it turns people away? You know, what if I go to existing clients and raise their fees and, you know, they, they say that's 
that's too much. We're 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 gonna leave. It's too much of a jump. We don't think it's worth that. How however it manifests in yeah in the present condition. So what what some of the other fears they might have? So what do they think might happen to their reputation if they change their value in their fees? Oh, so like one step further, you know, people start thinking, you know, you're expensive and you kind of scam people because it's way too much <laughs> for that and. Uh, what if a client leaves and starts telling everyone that we're just charging loads of money for something that's not worth it and all, all those kinds of things. Yeah, and the uh, what if I run into them on the street? Yeah, what, <laughs> if, what if I see them again? You know, uh, and so this again comes back to the real, the real imports, but we're now kind of moving more into the business, the business space. So just for context, we don't just advise other advisors. We work with service businesses by and large. Um, my passion is definitely in and around advice. I want to help lift up other advisors. I want to share all of the the results of my obsession with you guys so that we can learn and grow together, right? Um, so typically our clients are in the advice space, but because of that, we often jump in and work on clients with them. So I've, I've got another, and I've got another example about this just, you know, that we're working on right now at the moment. So I like using recent ones. Obviously they're easy to tell the okay. stories on. Um, so this is another client of ours who in this case is also a financial advisor, um, which by the way, that's not, you know, that's not indicative of, of our clients. It just happens to be the two scenarios that I've got. And in this case, he's got some financial planning clients, but they're, you know, they're really only really doing mostly insurance stuff and, and a little bit of superannuation and things because most of their assets are tied up in, you know, property and construction and whatever. And the reason for that is is because they have a a manufacturing and construction business. Okay. So I won't go into I won't go into the specifics, but you know, they they make and and install in building projects really high end, you know, fixtures and fittings. Okay, like really high end. It's, you know, pretty much the, the best stuff in the world. So what happened is that, that you know, they're reasonably good friends with, with Aaron, our client, and they kind of saw what had happened to him, you know, going from <laughs> six days a week to doing four days a week and having a more profitable business and being more fulfilled. Why? Because we dealt with the real inputs, right? We just didn't go, okay, well, let's look at your business and uh, deal with the outputs. And so they said, we want some of that. Now, normally what we would do is coach behind the scenes, but it was a, you know, it's a pretty big business. It's reasonably complex. They've got margins at all kinds of different levels. So what we decided to do in this scenario is I would be the, the front run advisor for the business advisory. And uh, he would be my kind of my sit in advisor. Um, and as we moved more to the financial stuff, then obviously we'd switch that around. So when I say financial stuff, I mean the financial outcomes, right? Not the inputs. So we're definitely dealing with inputs at the moment. So again, same thing. This is a family business. It's multi-generational. Um, you've got the son of the founder who is pretty much the visionary and he runs it. Um, you've got the father who's still working there, you know, a couple of days a week. Um, but not, not not really having any input in stuff hasn't really been for some time and you've got a brother-in-law in there as well and then there's multiple other family members um and it's the team is treated like a family anyway so 
we've got intergenerational wealth transfer issues we've got succession issues there's all kinds of stuff the stuff that gets complicated in all family businesses now most financial advisors would not generally think they're in a position to be able to talk to clients about this and by the way most accountants because these guys have got a decent accountant and right same thing it's this is a little too complicated but it's not really right all it requires is a willingness for you to be able to have people-based conversations recognize your own value in that and help take them on a journey of steps so what's the what would most coaches or consultants and by the way they've had business coaches before so uh, what was their response after the first meeting with me can you can you remember tristan i don't I know don't, i don't you, remember that you one. didn't actually sit in on that one because no, we had on yeah because because uh, i had aaron sitting in as my as my um second chair for that one um <laughs> so so i remember the the ceo the son saying like said to aaron afterwards well uh, yeah that, okay that was a bit different to what we expected we thought we'd just be talking to a business coach and he was going to going to run through the same stuff you know let's take a look in numbers and your process and your systems or whatever and straight away i'm into well wh where the hell is your headspace at what are you doing um we had and we ended up having i had a very interventional conversation with the ceo this is about four meetings in you know things are starting to go wrong in the the factory and they've got some clients that you know there's a few mistakes been made in estimation and whatever and um, costs are blowing out right and so i pretty much said to him yeah look you've got some people issues here right so yeah there's some people have dropped the ball but i'm going to say this point blank to you you've been relying on other people to carry the vision part so you took away your vision so you've dropped the ball right it wasn't a case of, yeah, you've promoted someone to MD, right? And then you've let them do their job and then they haven't done their job, right? That person was never capable of having the vision like you. That's your role and you took it away. So sorry, dude, but this is your fault. So that's the kind of conversations we're having. Now, what are the real inputs for business? What actually determines whether a business is profitable? And let's let's focus on service business. And by by and large, most small businesses are service business. So they are a service business. You might think, well, well no, they're they're a manufacturing business. No, they're a service business. High end product, huge amount of people engagement in the operation. Um, so in other words, their product is not fungible right so it's not like a red bull where every red bull's identical and you can mass produce them and you don't it doesn't really matter to you who's buying them right out at the other end that's not that's a more commodities based business so what are the real inputs for them real inputs for them yeah and i'm challenging you with this one because this isn't one you've been sitting in on much right so yeah um well i mean It'll be the, the, the same. The real input's always the people, right? So it, it, and I am guessing a little here. Yeah, that's um, it's good. We get to get to challenge Tristan as we're going on this so one. So my, my best guess would say people and the roles they're filling and if that's the right spot for them. Okay. So what about profitability then? So yeah, that's a good point, right? I think 
But what about the profitability? What's the key inputs for, you know, whether they're making dollars and how they grow the dollars? Key inputs for them making dollars. Um, well, they are producing something and sort of selling it on. So you've got margins on all of that. Yeah. So that could... So what determines the margin? Well, they do. Whoever's in the position to uh, determine the margin, which brings me back to the people. Right. Okay. So, so good, good crack. Um, and yeah, I was throwing your curveball there. So here's the thing, right? The inputs are the same inputs for your advisory business, right? Like the real inputs. The real inputs is how much do you think you're worth? How valuable are you? How much emphasis do you put on what you do rather than the impact you create? Right? You want to go back to that. Well, then, have you learnt your own value? How have you? What lessons have you taken on in your life that maybe have given you the wrong framing? And how is that holding you back from actually charging what you're really worth for the most transformational stuff? You want to get to the real input. That's the input for you. So you want to talk about you know, this manufacturing business, what's real input? Well, what's your value? How are you translating it? How has your own perception of value impacted this? How is the intergenerational wealth transfer? And what I mean by that, how does, you know, it was started by your dad, but it was passed on to you. But then, you know, there was restrictions put in place and relationship challenges all the way through. And then that translated to ownership structures and whatever. So how is that? How has the environment that you've grown through limited your own perspective? So we deal with these things and then we're able to move on to the next level of inputs. So for that particular business, they're not charging enough, right? They haven't got enough margins in what they're doing. These guys are the best of the best and yet they're pricing as if they were market you know, takers rather than market makers. So they were pricing at their competitors and their competitors aren't doing the same stuff as them. Now, admittedly, they're at the more expensive end, but that's because of the product cost. We're not, they're not at the expensive end in terms of margin. So it's really simple. We've got to go to your clients and you've got to say to them, well, which ones do you enjoy? No, we've got to say to you, which ones do you enjoy working with? What experiences do you actually want to have? What difference do you want to make in the world? Who do you want to work with? Not who can you sell to. No, that's the wrong, the wrong way to look. If you're doing that, you're compromising yourself, which means the dollar you earn isn't producing you as much life outcome. And in my experience, that's always your first indicator of how to make more dollars as well, right? Because it always scales. So I think, what, how long since we actually started working on stuff with these guys? Like six weeks? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we'll, so we're already repricing jobs, right? Margins are already going up. So I think we're averaged across two business lines about 4% margin. Um, and we've already repriced all the jobs. I've, you know, we're helping them to basically look people in the eye and tell them the truth and give them the real story and own their value. And we'll be at 15%. Well, all jobs are moving to 15%. That's just how it is. 
So what? Um, so we spoke to one of the other team members the other day. I don't think you were in there for that one either. So his his response was, "Yeah, like it's a completely different business. Everything's changed, right? Everyone's more engaged. Everyone's excited. Um, you know, everyone's more connected. And yeah, we're <laughs> none of the clients have said stuff you." By the way, what's the reality of how this how this translates when you actually go back to your clients and you change you change your own perception of value, right? And I talk about this a lot as well. It's up to you to decide what the value is, right? That's just it. It's not up to the client. It's up to you. Now, it's up to you to translate it. It's up to you to delve into their emotional context. It's up you up to you to be able to say to them, "Hey, look, this is where you are. This is where you want to be." Here's how we can help you get there. Here's the journey we can go on together. It's up to you to do that. What's it up to the client to do? Uh, say. Well, say one way or the other. Yeah, right. Really <laughs> yeah. Just okay, you're doing well, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm throwing you curveballs today. Yeah, you say yes or no, right? And by the way, where does your only price discovery come from in the marketplace? The only place you get actual price discovery is enough people saying no. Yeah. And how many businesses actually do that? How many businesses accurately price discover? Almost none in the service space. And I can't tell you the kinds of business models we've worked with, right? Just about all of them. You're doing too much for too little for too many of the wrong people and that the input for that is a self-worth issue so what's the real input it's human and if you as a financial advisor or a business advisor accountant or a coach if you are not recognizing the true inputs then it's your self-worth issue and that's my microphone drop for today <laughs> Okay, so look, I, th I think we've kind of delved into this a reasonable amount. I'd love to know what you think. I'd love to hear your comments and your questions. I'd be very happy to explore other examples. I mean, I literally have people throw me client scenarios, you know, 20 of them a week. And I can straight away, because I've done this so much, go, no, this is a real issue. This is what they're really telling you. This is what you need to say to them. So if you'd like us to delve more into that, please let us know. Uh, we are doing this to be interactive, so please share, you know, your thoughts and questions with us. Was there anything else on this topic you thought we, we should explore today, Tristan? Not today. I think we rounded it out. Not too bad. I'm hoping it makes sense to everyone else and not just us. Um, I, th I think the, the main points are just that it's, it's, it, it's a people thing. You know, there's a good quote I can't remember who it's by but you probably will um that you know there's there's not really business problems they're all just people problems in disguise yeah i'm not sure who actually said that in the first you're place you're not sure either okay yeah no i, I mean i use it i use it all the time yeah. oh i should say i don't quote i just say it all the time yeah yeah there's no there's not really business problems there's not money problems either mm. right so if your clients come to you and they've got a money problem they've created it and if you really want to be an exceptional advisor, then help them figure out how they created it and how to change that. Otherwise, you're just dealing with a symptom. And quite possibly, you're enabling. 
there's been certainly hundreds of conversations I've had with advisors about, do you realize how much you're enabling this just by not having this interventional conversation, just by letting your own fear get in the way? So yeah, absolutely. Look for the real inputs. They're always people related. There's not money problems. There's not business problems. Now, do you still need to understand the mechanicals? Yeah, you do. Okay. So when we're talking to this business, do I understand margins? Do I understand production line mechanics? Yeah, because I've helped so many businesses through it. So yeah, we can get into, well, how do you actually figure out where you're changing margins at what level and what does the margin need to be for a $2 million construction job versus a $50,000 construction job and how do you calculate, you know, how do you calculate that? Yeah. But is that the transformational stuff? No. So if we didn't do any of that and all we did is dealt with the inputs, the clients still get the most transformational amount and that's the bit they'll pay you the most for as well. It's also what they'll tell everyone else about okay. and how you end up with a waiting list of, of, of transformational clients just wanting to work with you as well. All right, everyone, thank you very much for tuning in today. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Please make sure that you've subscribed to us on YouTube, uh, on your favorite podcast platform. And please, please make sure that you're sharing this and you're putting some comments in there. We're not looking for anything. There's no sales pitch. There's no, you know, there's, no, there's nothing in this for us except a desire to share what we've learned with you guys to a broader audience. So thanks very much, everyone. Look forward to speaking to you soon. Cheers.